Welcome to Talk Commerce, where we explore how merchants, agencies, and developers experience commerce and the communities they work and live in. Don't forget to collect your free joke at the end of this intro. This week we interview Chase Clymer with the Electric Eye Agency. Chase helps brands scale on Shopify. He also hosts a podcast called Honesty Commerce, where he interviews brand founders. We talk about Shopify and who's the right fit for any type of Shopify project. We talk about the agency-client relationship and what is a good fit there. We go over educating a client on their respective platform and how to get them up to speed on that feature and how they can learn the most about it. We go into detail on what platforms make sense for what merchant and talk about why a merchant needs an agency to help them get through their project build. We discuss some differences between on-prem and SaaS, and even dive into SaaS versus open source. This is a very interesting episode. You can't miss it. This episode was recorded on August 31st, 2021. Today's joke, a new strain of head lice is going around that is resistant to the conventional treatments. It has doctors and scientists scratching their heads. The Talk Commerce podcast is sponsored by Swift Otter. E-commerce developers solve problems daily. In fact, some of those seem like mountainous hurdles that must be climbed in a matter of hours. Stress levels can go through the roof. No wonder the plague of burnout affects developers too. Ah, but there's a vaccine for that. Investing time in your career will take you farther than you ever imagined. Meet Swift Otter. Swift Otter exists to help you become the e-commerce hero that is indispensable and irreplaceable at your company. We do this through Magento Certification Study Materials and Joseph Maxwell's most recent book, The Art of E-Commerce Debugging. Go to swiftotter.com to learn more about how you can quickly climb the ranks in your quest to be a better developer. While you're there, use the coupon code TALKCOMMERCE for 15% off any digital goods at SwiftDotter.com. My name is Brent Peterson, and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. (laughs) All right, welcome to this Shopify episode of Talk Commerce. Today, I have Chase Clymer with me. Not climber like climbing, but climber. And we were just talking about me not butchering, butchering the name. So I sort of did that. Chase, why don't you introduce yourself? <laughs> tell us what you do and maybe one of your passions in life. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my name is Chase. Uh, my real life job is I am the co-founder of a uh, Shopify consultancy. Uh, we're called Electric Eye. We've been around for just over five years uh, we help direct-to-consumer brands scale on Shopify. So we're usually taking a small mom-and-pop store, brand founder, around one, one, you know, couple people from about a million dollars a year up to ten million dollars a year. So that's the agency. Um, and then outside of the agency, I also have a podcast. So it's called Honesty Commerce, and I'm typically interviewing actually brand founders and kind of trying to spread some honest truth about how you, you know, build a brand and how you grow an actual direct-to-consumer business. Uh, trying to get away from that whole. Uh, all the guru lies that you find on the internet that that really annoyed me when I first started the agency and it still annoys me to this day I guess that's that's never stopped so out here spreading the truth about e- e-commerce and direct to consumer 
All right. So we're going to avoid then the agency guru lies today. I would love and, to. Yeah. And we'll dive into some, you know, fun topics. Uh, 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 I'm, I, my background came from Magento. And so, you know, Magento and Shopify kind of grew up together. Maybe Magento was a, a little bit before it, but anyways, two, two competing platforms. One has skyrocketed over the other. I won't say who skyrocketed, but uh, definitely, uh, definitely, there's there's action going in both camps and and lots of excitement. So, uh, I know uh, one thing we had talked about is is um, is sort of that on-prem versus SaaS model, or I don't know what kind of what kind of things when when you're talking to a client, does that come up with them at all, or do, or do you move into something that uh, is just directly into the SaaS model? Well, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. And the honest truth is I'm not, I'm not a, a butthole. Like I know like what there are these, all these different platforms, all these different solutions exist for a reason. And it's, you know, if you're looking at everything as a nail, you know, and you have a hammer, you're always going to use that one hammer. So like, I, like if we're going to do the project, it's going to end up on Shopify, but I have oftentimes be like what you're trying to do makes more sense on a different platform. Usually it's, um, I guess what Shopify is really, really good at is selling a product to a customer, end customer, end consumer. And then once you kind of get a little bit more away from that very specific thing, you know, wholesale or bulk ordering and things like that, uh, other platforms make a lot more sense. Um, also, you know, I, I think Shopify is overkill for an info product. I think it's overkill for uh, just a wholesale store. Sometimes it really depends on like the ecosystem of all your other business, all your other apps. Um, so, you know, usually kind of during those, those introduction calls, I'm asking a lot of questions about, you know, what's the end goal here? How does it tie into the rest of the business? You know, and if they're like, Oh, I'm selling these really cool sneakers that we designed to, you know, people. And I'm like, okay, Shopify makes a lot of sense for that. But if it's like, Oh, like, we're doing, you know, 48 SKUs for one item that you can do bulk ordering because they're actually refill things for this business B2B project. And I'm like, okay, that is just, that's not for Shopify. Yeah. And I, you know, I appreciate that too. And I think one of the big things that has happened in the past from the platform standpoint, and, and we're a partner with, um, we are a partner with Adobe. So full, full disclosure is is they used to expect us to just be a one shop and if you are a one one product shop then the next expectation is that it should fit all and i think that the worst thing you can do to a consumer or a or or a um a merchant is to say well this is the solution that we offer and this is how it's going to work for you without giving them the options and i'm a big believer in and giving them what fits for them and so i think we're we're on the same page. And if we had a little bell, this would be the point in which we both agree. Again, we, we could have a little bell on the show here today that says, Hey, you know, from, from a non, I don't remember what was the term you used the, the guru liar or something like that in the beginning. Uh, yeah. I, I, what I think it comes down to is uh, people, they want to, they want a new project. They want to win business. They want to make money, but like, I, I just believe in karma and, you know, selling something, someone the wrong solution is, never going to win you a long-term client or uh, or more referral business. That's a terrible way to do business. So I, I think just, you know, educate, educating is our job. Like first and foremost, like the first couple of conversations you have with a, a potential client, it's like, we, we got to start talking the same language first, and then we can start talking about solutions. 
Yeah. So that's, that's, I love that point. And, and what, so you're talking to customers, what are they asking for right now in terms of, uh, of those honest conversations you're having with them? Uh, it's really funny. They're all asking for different things, but they're all kind of the same thing. And it, I'll elaborate on that. So it's usually some sort of, uh, they heard that, you know, CRO is going to help them grow, or they know that Facebook ads are going to help scale their business. And they come with all these predetermined prescriptive solutions that they've heard out in the ecosystem. And then we get a little bit deeper. You start asking why, you know, just ask that question a couple of times and you're going to have way better, way better uh, ongoing conversations with these clients. Uh, and they're just like, look, like we know we have something here. We just, we just want it to be better. How do we make this better? And that's usually at the end of their, they just want help with, with growing their business. And you need to find out where the best part of their team that your team can like fill in the, the voids there. And sometimes that's in development or sometimes that's in marketing or just often it's just top level strategy. They're like, Hey, I made a really, really good t-shirt and this thing sells really well, but I have no idea how the internet works. Do you have the opposite effect where somebody says, uh, where, where they come to you and they say, hey, I'd love to set up a store and you come back to them with a price and they'll say, well, geez, you know, I can do all that on my own. Why am I even going to you? How, how do you get past that education? Because you know that they really can't do it, but they think they can. And then they, maybe they have to go through that experience once of, of failing and then coming back. I mean, a younger more uh, a younger version of myself would be like, ah, oh, he'd like work really hard to try to win that business. But uh, after having that conversation hundreds of times now, I'm just like, go do it, <laughs> go have fun. I was like, it's going to be the same price to have us redo it when you realize it's not easy. And what kind of conversations do you have with that potential client to help them uh, to leave it in the in a place where they feel comfortable come back coming back to you? Because I think the other mistake a lot of agencies make is to get kind of snooty about the whole thing and say, go ahead, do it. Good luck with whatever you're doing. I'll see you on the other side, as opposed to, yeah, that that's a great, we'll, we'll help you in any way we can. Ah, oh, man. Uh, you know, I feel like I, I think I might be leaning on more of the snooty side. So I need to change my attitude and become a better, uh, a better salesman is probably what it is, but it's, um, I view conversations with prospects in, I'm more looking for, are they a nice person? That's like first and foremost, like, cause it's like dating, like your team's gonna be working with for months. Like when you're in e-commerce, if you're hiring an agency, it's going to be, it's three to years, year, years of, 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 of partnership on, on doing these projects together. And first and foremost, I want to make sure that, you know, we don't start a relationship with someone that where it's going to, you know be a detriment to a team member. Like, I don't want to have, you know, Andrew be like this guy, like it, it weighs on me every time I have to have conversations with him because, you know, it's, he's just a, you know, he, it's it, the personality. There's the fit there. So the first thing I'm looking for is make sure it's a good fit. And if they fit that, I will go above and beyond and be like, look, sometimes I'm like, Hey, you probably can do it yourself. You know, here's a bunch of, of, of stuff to do. Also, you can't afford to hire, have us do it. You know, you're a startup, spend all that money on educating yourself, spend all that money on learning, you know, like how to do influencer marketing and like building out an influencer network and getting to products to send to influencers to like kind of build some buzz around. Like that's go spend that money on that. Like you can't, you can't, you know, invest 
in working with us right now. And so if they're a good person, you know, I try to give them as much free advice as I can. And that's kind of where the podcast comes from is because I've usually I'm like, Hey, this sounds like this episode, go listen to this conversation I had with this person. So I do try to be nice in that regard, but you know, there are some people, uh, it, it just that come in, they're all, all different types of people that you talk to when you're like kind of public facing at an agency. And oftentimes, you know, they're just, uh, looking for the cheapest solution and, uh, they don't like what you have to say. You kind of just have to roll with the punches and be like, good luck with that. <laughs> yep. Um, so excuse me. Um, the, um, the conversations that you're having, uh, do you steer them in a way that would then, uh, facilitate a quick launch to the product or do you, I guess it depends how much time you have in it, but do you, how, how do you kind of work, work that in with each of your clients on Shopify? Yeah, so most of the projects we're taking on are more established brands. And so we're going to have some data that we can play with, that we can look at. Um, you know, so oftentimes they've got, uh, they definitely have product market fit. And if they don't have product market fit, we kind of just have, have like a, a startup package, be like, it's, you know, this is what we're doing. And you're not doing anything outside this box because it's dumb right now. Like, let's get you launched and then you go get some data and then we can make informed decisions. Um, but usually the projects we're doing, like they've, they, you know, I'm looking at three main numbers in that, those first initial conversations. So I want to look at their conversion rate. I want to look at their average order value and I want to look at their traffic. Right. So those three KPIs are kind of, we have this methodology called the brand scaling framework at our agency. Um, so if you take all three of those numbers for like the last 30 day average and you multiply them together, you're going to get your monthly sales. So once you do that, uh, you can kind of have a baseline. So it's like, okay. Oftentimes our projects are, are around redesign, especially right now. There's a lot of people that are looking to migrate from, uh, there's a new launch within uh, Shopify's ecosystem, this uh, concept of online store 2.0, which basically they give you a lot of cooler stuff that you can put everywhere. And you kind of have to like put that into your theme now. Um, so within kind of the design development project, we are uh, tackling those those things adding that but also like looking at optimizations like usually mobile is still terribly designed and usually uh there's kind of no like up upsell or cross-sell motivators built into the theme to try to raise that average order value so we're doing a lot of that and then you know let's put effort in here Let, what if we raise these kpis 10 20 percent you know you start talking about the opportunity at the end of the at the end of the thing it's like well if we move the needle on these things like a couple percent here there we get traffic we you can move the needle on traffic very easily it's just start spending more money on paid or have a more robust automation strategy on your emails. Um, and you're like, well, look at like, look at, you know, how much money you guys could possibly be making. Um, and then, you know, they're like, okay, well now we understand why we need to invest. Like we have a budget. Let's talk. So I, I'm interested in the cooler stuff on this 2.0. Give us a couple of highlights on what is the cooler stuff that you're seeing that is, and are these, is, are these cooler things a must have? for it? Or are they just a, wow, this is, this is something you should be using? Great question. Um, so cooler stuff, if it's not broke, don't fix it. You probably don't need it. But if you have like a dated web design or, you know, your mobile experience is lacking, like you can just go into the back end of Shopify and see your conversion rate on desktop versus mobile. And, you know, if it's bigger than 1% of a difference, there's, or like hundred percent of a difference, like there's probably a bigger underlying issue with your mobile experience. And you should probably think about having someone kind of take a look at that. Um, but you know, you don't have to 
invest in any of this stuff if you don't want to, but if it's something that you're going to utilize. So basically what it is, is uh, online store 2.0. One of the biggest things is they've been promising developers on Shopify for the last, I think they told us unite two and a half years ago. They're like, Hey, we're going to put sections everywhere. Cause they were only like sections were only this concept that was available on the homepage of Shopify. So if you wanted to put content blocks on an individual product page, it was a lot of custom uh, development to do that. And then if you wanted to have them talk to different pages or have one here, one, it, you know, it just was a whole nightmare, can of worms, right? And you know, we figured out all the workarounds and like people could do it, but now they're taking the functionality that was only originally available on the homepage. Now you can put it on any page. So now you can use kind of sections that are built out for like, you know, homepage, you can drop on a product page or an about page. You know, you want to have like this particular email sign up on certain pages. Um, it makes it a little bit easier to kind of, affect that stuff within the theme, kind of within the user interface, the back end of Shopify. Um, so it is useful if you know how to use it. Um, you know, will it make you more money if you just add sections everywhere to your current theme? No, you know, but if you have a strategy behind how it might make you more money, probably like it's, if it's not just going to instantly make you more money, it's, that's also something that's kind of, I would like to point out here too, is like from like just the perspective of SaaS versus a hosted solution, Shopify is a lot more expensive. And I think one of the things people get caught up on is like the marketing of Shopify plus. And people are like, Oh, if I move to plus, I'll make more money. And I'm like, no, like who said that? And they're like the sales guy. I was like, I guarantee he didn't because he'd get fired because those calls are listened, listened to, but they do spend some pretty poetic words when, when you're in those sales conversations and Shopify plus, will make you more money because it will unlock some cool features that you can use if you have a strategy behind how you're going to implement those now unlocked features and you're going to have someone develop them and implement them in your store. But if you just go and go from normal Shopify to Shopify Plus, nothing's changing. You're just getting a faster like server basically at that point, uh, but it's not going to make you more money overnight. And I think you, you bring up a great point about self-education and how a merchant has a responsibility to be educated in the product they're using. And I think that feature thing you're talking about, you know, every feature is available in Magento, even on the free, not, I mean, there's different features that are available in the, in the paid version versus the free version, but there's tons of stuff in there. And a lot of merchants may ask a developer to install something. And let's just say they, they have a Adobe Commerce, and they they want to get a gift card or something like that module, and they say, "Well, install this gift card module," and the unsuspecting agency installs it, and then later on, the merchant finds out that gift cards are included. Um, so, I mean, I, that I, I don't think that's possible on Shopify, but oh no, you'd be surprised. It, <laughs> it is um, it is one of those things where okay, the agency has a responsibility to make sure that they are giving the client what they need and then also educating the client when they ask for something that exists. But the client is, is that is a good representation of the client not knowing what's already there and not being able to, from a marketing standpoint, take advantage of features that exist. Um, so the question is then how do you, is there, is there, I'm sure there's resources from Shopify. Is there good resources that, that can steer though in those direction and, how do you educate the client as you're going through a project to make sure that they know those things? Yeah, well, so in the Shopify ecosystem, uh, a module would be called an app. And then I think in the WordPress ecosystem, they're all called plugins. But it's basically just extended functionalities, APIs, boom, you got more stuff on your store. 
um, in the Shopify ecosystem, the, the way that they marketed the app store was extremely uh, well done because it actually helped with the overall growth of the whole entire platform. But basically there's an app for that. It was like a solve for everything for the longest time. Um, so uh, the you know small brand founder is now installing and uninstalling and testing you know 50 apps over the last two years on their Shopify theme. And when you press uninstall on that, on that app, it still, the code doesn't leave the store. So now they've got like 50 random lines of 50 lines would be fine, but it's more probably like 500 random lines of code littered throughout their theme file. Each one probably with a duplicate JavaScript call that's like slowing down the page speed. Um, so yeah, that's often like within you know onboarding with working with us we're auditing their store we're auditing all their apps like we even have people that just still have the apps installed they're like oh yeah like i didn't like it i'm like why didn't you uninstall it they're like it's not hurting anything i was like well it's hurting your your page load and your site speed and it just it, this is this is bad <laughs> so yeah we're, we're definitely auditing those things ourselves uh rule of thumb on I don't know if this is this exists in Magento. It, uh, this is for me to learn now, but in the Shopify ecosystem, the rule of thumb is like the least amount of apps that you can have to have the experience that your customers need. Yeah, that's a hundred percent the same. Ding, ding, ding. Absolutely agree with that. Uh, sometimes, and uh, okay, so from a WordPress standpoint, I definitely fall into that trap. Because you're like, oh yeah, I'd like to get this little feature. Let me look on the let me let me look at the free plugins for WordPress, and oh, I'm gonna just install this. And pretty soon you have you know 50 or 60 plugins installed. That is 100% uh, that happens in Magento all the time. People think they need every little tiny little widget, and the exact same thing. If you go in the back end of Magento, you disable that module. It actually doesn't disable the func. It, it disables the output of the, but it keeps that functionality still there. So um, it is overhead that is is compounding your system. And I, I think one thing for a self-hosted uh, platform is you have to pay for those upgrades yourself, as opposed to a SaaS-based system where those upgrades are handled by the by the host. Um, each of those extensions then poses a risk that you are going to break your store on an upgrade. Um, I think the advantage that good or bad, the advantage on the Magento side is that it's you uh, just, a, you can't just go on the internet and install something like you can in WordPress. You have to have a developer install an extension or, or you have to have some access to code to do that. Yeah, I think that is a little bit of an advantage because the, the like the brand owner or the, the marketing person or you know the girl's boyfriend who's more tech savvy can just get onto the back end of the Shopify store and just start installing apps and like you know playing around. It's very, I think that the the barrier of entry to Shopify uh, definitely uh, leads to there needing to be more education and you know being like yeah it's easy to get started. That's the point of this solution, but it's hard to master. Uh, so I think that uh, that just leads to more fun conversations for me, kind of educating people. The um, from, from an educational standpoint, I know that we have this conversation with clients all the time about 
what they can do and what they can't do themselves. And um, oftentimes uh, they think, I'm trying to word this nicely, they think they can do it and they find out they can't, or they find out that whatever they've done, they've, they've caused some uh, horrible page load. And I think on, on any platform, if you load something, it's going to put a bunch of loops in your front end. I'll just, I'll use a non-technical term. And suddenly they're gone. They've gone from, t- you know, a, a four second load time to a 30 second load time. Uh, how do you handle that from a sort of a conversational standpoint to help them understand that, Hey, just don't do anything you want that you should have some thought about what you're putting on there. I don't know if we flat out lay it out, like don't touch anything, but, um, there, those, those things, something like that happened. I want to say this week or it was last week with a client where they made some, some alterations to something that they definitely should have asked us to do for them and they broke something. And then, you know, now it's a fire that we have to put out. So the, all that does is, uh, if it's technical at all in the Shopify, we like kind of were like, Hey, just, just let us do it. And, you know, it's why we're on retainer. It just let us do it for you. Uh, just so there isn't an issue. And then if we don't do it, if we don't cause the issue, now we're troubleshooting, we're trying to figure out what the issue is. And that's actually going to take longer than just having us do it in the first place. Um, but you know, we definitely try to put some guidance on there. It's like, Hey, these are the things you guys can still do, you know, but like, these are the things that we want to own and here's why. Uh, but luckily one of the first things we do when we kind of get access to a store is we sync it to a, a repository so we can kind of watch the code base and have kind of a, a bread breadcrumbs so we can try to reverse engineer where they screwed up. Do you, do you find, um, that they are, that clients are making lots of change? I, I, we, I like that idea of tying it to a repository, uh, because you can also track, uh, something that happens. Maybe it's malicious on the front end, but do you find that they they sometimes don't want to admit to doing something and it's just this black hole that suddenly their site uh, got in, insurmountably slower and they're like, I don't know what happened. Just you I have mean, to fix it. <laughs> yeah. It, when, when adults act like toddlers, it's hilarious to me. It's like, we know you did. It's just not worth it. It's just like, we're going to fix it. And it's not worth kind of right. At the end of the day, we're a service business you know, we're here to help. We're here to be of service. And, you know, sometimes that we bite our, we have to bite our tongue as, as experts. Like we know exactly what went wrong. It's like, well, let's just fix it and, you know, move on with our, with our day. Uh, something that, that I'm always curious about because we don't deal with this uh, with Magento is the, how, how the, how Shopify interacts with that process and how, where they kind of draw the line of, is it something on the shop of AN that's slowing it down or is it something that the customer did? Is, does that come up a lot where, where it's so there's some finger pointing and there's a, well, I think there's some finger pointing just from like both of our teams. So the people would have heard They're like, Oh, we're, uh, you know, Shopify slower than Magento. So we're going to Magento. And I was like, says who, uh, like, yeah. And they're like, well, that's, that's just what people say. And I was like, what people? I was like, I can show you a website that's faster than a Magento website. And I can show you a Magento website that's faster than a Shopify website. Like, you know, this is, it's all relative. Like, what are you trying to do? Um, I think that uh, people think having access to 
the server and having access to kind of um, the more technical stuff on Magento uh, makes them draw a conclusion that they can make their site faster. But if you are building a site the right way on any of these platforms, it should be lightning fast. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so I, I want to continue with the client perspective and Shopify has been very good at marketing the fact that Shopify is, is very easy to use and their salespeople are very good at telling the client that Magento is super hard to use. Have you ever used a backend of Magento? Have you, have you experienced that, like going in and just running admin or anything like that? I have, uh, I, I, we, uh, Many moons ago, the agency wasn't Shopify specific and we had a Magento client um, and figured it out, but I also wasn't in there trying to code anything. I'm not a developer by trade, so I'm not going to go in there trying to cowboy code anything. Um, I think that uh, lowering the barrier of entry was an amazing thing that Shopify has done as far as like helping to kind of bring in this new uh, kind of like entrepreneurial revolution that we're seeing with a lot of people launching businesses and going online and, and just the rise of direct consumer. Like, I think that's amazing. Uh, but it also uh, brings with it a lot of uh, aspirations and in, in people that don't kind of have the, you know, business acumen or, or kind of technical expertise to back it up to really build a business. Like it's just because it's easy to build a website on Shopify with a free theme does not equal you have a business that's going to be successful. Yeah, that's, there's, there's a, definitely a lot to unpack in that. There's, there, is the, um, there is so much more downstream of after they get their website launched. Uh, how many of your clients do you then keep on to help measure those metrics, the ones that you talked about earlier, mm -hmm. and then help them improve those over time? Um, almost all of them now, especially, so uh, we're, we're a little more upmarket now. We are not really working with startups much anymore. Um, you know, it, unless they're funded or it's not their first rodeo, they, they understand what it's going to take to do what they want to do. Um, but it's usually like we're launching a site and then it's like, okay, like we've got this thing in a great place. We're happy with these KPIs now, you know, what are we going to focus on? And it's usually phase two is like, well, let's, let's market it. Let's see where there's holes in our bucket. Let's add some more traffic through paid, either, you know, Google or Facebook, whatever, whatever makes the most sense for that, that client. Um, you know, we're huge, huge proponents of email automation, Clavio, we're Clavio, whatever the top partners are over there. Um, so that's a, that's a big kind of piece of the puzzle, uh, building out those automations really, really kind of helps with the flywheel. Um, but kind of back to your question, uh, we're actually launching CRO in the spring. So I'm really excited. We're at beta testing it right now. Nice. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, your website's never done. So, uh, and it allows us to kind of be more strategic and that's kind of what we've always wanted to do from the beginning. It's like, we're not a this is no, you know, uh, I don't want this to come off sounding arrogant or anything, but I feel like sometimes when you hire a developer or hire a designer and you say, this is what I need done, they just do it. We've always been like, well, why, you know, Socratic questioning, we want to get to the bottom of it. We want to make sure it's actually going to help grow your business. Uh, it's always been from a strategic perspective. So this is kind of just the one thing that we've always wanted to do. And now we've got the capacity on the team to kind of really dive in there. So we're going to start, uh, with CRO doing uh, split testing on all sorts of fun stuff on our websites that we build. The new buzzword uh, in the um, 
Adobe community anyways, or the ones that I'm hearing is content commerce. Are you seeing a lot of that from your side, from, from, uh, from your customers? Well, I think that I haven't heard that particular phrase used much by just the, the conversations that I've had with people. Uh, but I know exactly what it is. I mean, the, you know, if you have a brand and you can, you can probably get to half a million, a million dollars a year with your business and not really do much kind of like content creation. But if you're looking to actually scale and kind of get past that point, like you need to have a content creation kind of engine built within your business. And we kind of say there's like three, not easy, but there's three that you should kind of have built out. And there's like, A, you know, you should be building, you should be creating content for your products, you know, internally, you guys should do that. B, you should be working with partners, be that, you know, an agency to create content for you or like uh, hire like influencers or build out influencer relationships to create content for you. You know, this should be some really good looking content, by the way. And then C, user generated content. Like there, there's three systems. And if you get those things rocking and rolling, then you can repurpose it everywhere. And you're going to have a much easier time kind of doing things at scale through email, through, you know, S, not SEO, but through like social media and stuff. And then also using that content for paid ads. Um, you know, when they don't have that system, that's usually a huge sticking point with like trying to help them grow. Yeah. One thing I remember learning in, in, um, in a marketing class or, or a, a seminar that I went to was that if you were to just do a video interview with your client and, and maybe a webinar like this, even you could, you could then generate a transcript, which gets you a nice basis to write a blog article. You can get some screenshots of the, of the video itself to have some images, and then you could make those into some social and if you're on, so this is, if you're on a budget as a, as an, as a, um, as a merchant, there are some great ways to generate some of these, this content, um, and then have it out there. I think from what I see is that the merchant tends to lose focus maybe. And if you're an entrepreneur, that's very hard to, <laughs> hard to stay on task and say, Hey, I've got to, um, I've got to make this content every day. And if I don't make this content every day, then, you know, I'm going to forget about it. Um, content for me, content, the co commerce or content in commerce or commerce driven content or what, however you want to phrase that is part of that has to be the consistency of putting that content out there. Um, and then letting some of that, the natural content drive some of that traffic. And I, I'll just make a statement. A lot of clients think that, Hey, I'm going to make, I'm going to do 10 blog posts and wow, this is going to be so successful. And that's all I have to do, or I'm going to do 12 I'm going to do one blog post a month. And that that'll be my content for the year. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, uh, there isn't a number to where you will be happy with what's going on with your content. Even as you start, even when it starts to work, you're like, I want this to work more. Uh, so <laughs> I guess let's just burst that bubble. It's like, you'll never have it doing as much as you want, but it does start to work over time. The flywheel starts to kick in. I, just like you said, you know, something like this, like that's kind of where our podcast came from is I hate writing. And I was like, but I will get, I'll go talk to people. This is, this is amazing. I'm having a blast doing this. And I interview people on ours and you know, this is, this is definitely something that's a lot easier for me to do as someone that doesn't like writing. 
And then we do repurpose that stuff everywhere. We use it, you know, we turn it into a blog, we turn it into a YouTube video, we turn it into a podcast that gets disseminated through all those things. And then, you know, there's snippets that get cut out for the socials. And it's also featured in our newsletter. You know, I just, you know, one piece of content, half hour, 45 minutes of my time, we now made a dozen things from, and we could make more if we really wanted to really drill down into it. Yeah. And I, I know there's tons of great tools, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, one of the tools we use is called Lately, trylately.com, I think is the site. And they have an AI tool that will go through your blog posts and pull out sections for, for social media. So you might have a, if you have an 800 word blog post, it might come out with 12 tweets for you. Well, you can repurpose that tweet for LinkedIn, for Twitter, for Facebook. Uh, it's a great tool that I think that a lot of uh, clients could take advantage of. Uh, you can also use that for somebody else's blog post. If you wanted to, if you, if there's a thought leader in the Shopify world and they want to drive some traffic to their own site, they could use some of that content out of a blog post to generate traffic for their own site. So not that it's, um, well, I mean, if you referenced it correctly, but then put it, pointed the URL to your site, I think that's a, that's an okay way to use content. Uh, so I, the point I'm trying to make is it doesn't always have to be your own content. You could, cr you could use the content from, uh, from your partners that are helping with your website to help drive traffic to your website. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a, um, that's a, something that a lot of people, you know, overlook in that I myself fell victim to was, you know, we were creating content for our own audience. And, you know, when you're getting started, your audience is zero. There's nobody that, you know, other than your mom and your dad, that's about it. Uh, so you, what you should think about is who are going to be my best partners in this space and do content with them and, you know, borrow their audience to kind of kickstart your own audience. Uh, so we found a lot of success kind of doing some stuff with Shopify, with Klaviyo, Recharge, kind of like all the bigger apps in the Shopify ecosystem. We, we've probably done a webinar with or, you know, done an in-person meetup back when that was a thing. Uh, so that, that really helped us kind of get our, uh, get things started. How do you advise clients on which social platforms that, to use? Uh, I know that uh, Gary V has said, use what's out there right now because it could be popular for a year and, but it's popular. So use it. Yeah, no, uh, we don't do much on the organic social, but we do a lot on the paid side. So if we're going to do paid on a certain platform, we kind of make sure they have a presence there. Um, as far as which platform, so then it's kind of like the channel we believe that might be more successful with paid is where we kind of tell them to focus stuff. Um, so the way that I see it oftentimes is if it is a brand that lends itself to be extremely successful on Amazon. And what I mean by that is it is a, uh, a less branded, more, uh, kind of generic product that would be searched for like a it would come up for a search term, uh, a lot better than say, like, just like a branded t-shirt would. Um, if you're going to, if you, if you think it would be a very good product on Amazon, it will probably be an amazing product on Google shopping as well. Um, so that's kind of where we'd push people on kind of like the paid side on there. But on the flip side is like, if you are, you know, a kind of luxury quote, or it's like a brand that has merch behind it, you know, Amazon, it, you, people are only going to be searching branded search terms on there. 
Uh, so then it's kind of go a little bit more up the funnel and that's where like maybe Facebook and, uh, Instagram might be good for prospecting in that regard. Uh, but there's no one size fits all funnel for anybody or for like how they do all that. Uh, it's kind of, it, it, it really is a case by case basis on the brands, you know, price points, margins, all that stuff. That's interesting. Uh, how explain a little bit about the Amazon paid would, would you drive people to your website for Amazon or would that be something we, that would we're be- not? Yeah, we're not Amazon consultants at all. We, we don't touch anything on Amazon. Uh, it's just if if I have like insider knowledge that that product does really well on Amazon and they haven't done anything on Google shopping, I'm like, okay, we'll do that. And then you own the customer data and you can retarget them. And that's going to be a lot easier kind of an, of a long-term play than kind of continuing all of that budget into Amazon. Amazon's velocity is like amazing and you can test product market fit so fast there. Um, but you know, not having that customer data really kind of helps on the tail end of things, you know, as you are trying to scale your business up or kind of, um, de-risk it from, uh, Amazon's kind of control of the ecosystem. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's very difficult to kind of, I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. And it's a problem I've had lately of how to describe what I just told you of like, there are certain projects, products you can tell that will do really good on Google shopping or would do really good on Facebook. And I need to be able to, I want to put that into writing or like into a blog or something like that. So it's like people can kind of get a jump start on building their funnel. Yeah. The worst thing you can do on Facebook is ever click on an ad because the <laughs> next thing you're going to do is get introduced to ads. I can tell you that I I'm a biker. I don't bike that much, but I am barraged with cycling ads now on Facebook uh, with every kind of, a product that you could possibly imagine <laughs> probably from two or three clicks. Yeah. They put you into the, they put you into the buckets and they, they do all that target target based uh, stuff. Facebook's wild. That was like kind of our, the first channel that we got really successful with about five or six years ago. I was doing Facebook ads before like all the conversion events were happening. It was really fun to learn all that stuff back then. So as we kind of grew as an agency, we started to add a few more channels and, and then really realized like you'd have the best ad in the world. And if the user experience is bad, they're not going to convert. So we st- then we kind of flipped and we started investing more on, you know, the UX and, and you know, it, the website's got to be, it's got to make sense and mobile's got to make sense and it's got to, you know, optimize here and that and all this stuff. So it's been a, a fun ride. And then just kind of over over the, the course of the years, we, we found that the most impactful projects we've had is is kind of helping where, you know, product market fit isn't the problem anymore. It's like, how do we get this product in front of more people and make the experience of buying this product easier? Those are the where we really shine. Um, from an ease standpoint, I know like content, content, uh, content layout shift or CLS is, or let's just say the Google Lighthouse score in general is a trending thing nowadays. And I can say specifically Magento does very poorly in that. I'm assuming all platforms as Google is is enhancing their method of doing their calculation. Uh, Are you seeing clients coming to you yet that are saying, hey, I want my website to load in a quarter of a second. Uh, how, How can you help us? Absolutely. All right, so not only that, but there are people on Fiverr that'll make your lighthouse score 97 if you give them $100. Does that sound like a realistic investment to you? 
<laughs> no. <laughs> Have you heard this scam in the Magento? I don't know if it's a Magento thing, but it's a, it's a Shopify thing. So anyone listening, it's, a, it's snake oil. It's a scam. So what it does is it takes the, it cheats the test and actually makes your website slower. And if Google finds out that you did it, you're going to get some bad, bad stuff's going to happen to your website organically or potentially delisted. Uh, but basically, yeah, it, it just cheats the lighthouse test. Lighthouse test. So, like, we've had that happen, you know, to recently. People, you know, as we're kind of going through the sales process and talking about opportunities, we're like, "Well, your website's really, really slow." They're like, "Oh, I just hired this guy on Fiverr, and you know, we're good to go now." And I was like, "Well, you spent a hundred bucks, and you you didn't get the result you wanted, actually, because here's actually what happened." Um, yeah, that guy never emailed me back, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a it's a huge thing right now, and it it goes back to kind of the conversation that we were having a few minutes ago about the you know you want to have the least amount of apps or or modules installed that are going to give the customer the experience that you want, and you know if you're talking in our world, you know everyone's like, well, why can't we just start from a premium theme? Wouldn't that make things cheaper? And then we could kind of develop off that. I'm like, okay, well, that's like trying to win a race, but we're going to start with a Honda Accord. Uh, you know, that car, that's a good car all around car. But if you're trying to win a race, like I want a custom built race car, you know, that's what we're talking about uh, when you, when you kind of move into, uh, that, that scaling phase of things as a brand. Yeah. So I, I can tell you, um, I haven't heard of the cheating thing on, on Google lighthouse scores. And I would think if you used a number of different testing metrics, all of them are, well, some of them are going to show what it actually happens. So there would be some, I would hope merchants are, are smarter than just doing the one score, but uh, in in Magento, anyways, we 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 have to replace the entire front end with a different theme, and there is there's there's a buzz in our in the community, and I should stop saying our community because we we do uh, big commerce now as well, uh, so um, but there is a buzz around this super fast load times. I I've just interviewed um, a person from Spriker, which is a German based commerce company. And I said, hey, our goal is to load our sites in less than a second. And he laughed at me. He said, all of our sites load in a quarter of a second. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> this is going to be a race to who can, you know, who could be the fastest, uh, which isn't a bad thing. And I think it's a, it's a lot of pressure that has been needed for a long time. And especially as we've got more mobile that clients are expecting that fast response time uh, on their mobile devices. Uh, the other big thing that's that has been around, or that is for Magento and for Big Commerce at least, is the progressive web app. Have you seen any of that yet for Shopify? Oh yeah, it's it's a huge buzzword on our end of things too. And you know, we've had people come to us like, yeah, we we want to go headless with this. Uh, you know, I think this is going to be a good good that's going to make our site faster. And I was like, I can show you a website that's faster than a headless website that's just using Shopify front end. It's like, what do you need this to be headless for? They're like, oh you know, that's just, that's what I've heard. And again, it just goes back to educating people. So uh, yeah, on at least on the Shopify side of things, like you can make a really fast website, you know, progressive web app or headless, however, whatever you want to use on it. Um, but you can make one just as fast using the Shopify front end, if you know what you're doing. And it's going to be 10 times easier for your internal team to maintain it First, if you build, you know, a headless or, you know, a PWA, you, now you've got a, a consultant or, or a dev team that's always got to be around to kind of maintain that thing because it's, you know, it, that, that kind of just breaks the, uh, the uh, kind of uh, the cool, one of the cool factors of Shopify is like, you don't have to 
maintain any of the server stuff. It's just like out of sight, out of mind. You can focus on on the brand. Uh, so people that are using going headless with Shopify, I'm just like, why would you do that? Um, you know, the the back end of it is decent enough, uh, but it's like the front end was kind of the more powerful element of it. I know who's Side, very, who's very excited about headless hosting companies. Yeah. It's suddenly now they can service Shopify and big commerce and Magento. Yeah. And then, uh, well, there is, I'm going to slaughter the technology and how this is, I want to say it's called oxygen or something is something that Shopify is working on basically building out a, I don't know how, it, how it works. Cause again, I'm not a developer, but basically like the hosting solution for a headless thing within the Shopify ecosystem, uh, they, they kind of teased it with the announced that online store 2.0 stuff. Interesting. Okay. So where there's some, some fun things coming out of uh, Shopify in the near future. Uh, yeah, I think that they're kind of shifting their positioning on the product to kind of a uh, no code, low code and like custom slash headless are like the structures and the tiers of complication. Okay. Um, so from a community standpoint, uh, Magento has been always been strong in, in the, the fact that the community helps build the product. And how do you see the community around Shopify? Are you, is there a, a is there a community that you're involved in? Do you, you, I know there's a big conference that you can go to. Outside of that, is there uh, is there a buzz around community and Shopify? Yeah, that's uh, probably the only reason that uh, we focused on Shopify um, is that we went to we went to that conference. We met a lot of apps and consultants and agencies and mentors that I still you know still to this day I'm, I speak with some of these people um, about about kind of just what's going on in the world. Uh, the the industry within Shopify, as far as like kind of like a partnership ecosystem, is is fantastic. Um, it, it, there's no one that's truly unapproachable, which is kind of really cool. And people put out a lot of really cool content um, and kind of work in public on like some of the you know anytime there's a new API that's released within Shopify's ecosystem, like someone will like build an app around it and like you know speak about it in public. It, it's really cool. So I really respect the the community behind the Shopify ecosystem. So if there's any you know, anyone out there listening that kind of wants to get into Shopify, trust me, like there's, there's a lot of cool stuff and there's a lot of, uh, back when, you know, uh, before the pandemic, there were meetups in almost every city that were backed by Shopify. Uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff. I heard there's a lot of Canadian Easter eggs baked into the code. I'm joking about that completely. I wouldn't know, uh, but, uh, Toby <laughs> is a very, very funny guy. <laughs> um, well, we have like, we have about 10 minutes left. So, uh, let's move into, um, some, some things that would help a merchant right now. And we, in our green room, we talked about black Fridays coming up and there's people that are now rushing to do all kinds of things for black Friday. What, what can you give for some advice to a merchant who wants to, make some improvements or, or even uh, launch a new site right now? Well, if you want to launch a new site right now, um, any agency that you've probably heard of will probably have to say no. Uh, we're so down to the wire right now. So uh, we're recording this uh, at the end of August. So that's September, October, two months to like actually do the due diligence on strategy and then design a custom website is probably impossible. You could probably get something templated put out 
uh, that will put you in a decent place to launch before then if, if you absolutely have to. But I would honestly be like, do you need to, do you actually have to do this? Can you kick the can on that until the new year? And like, let's, you know, allocate that money into like maybe making what you have just better or maybe dive more into the channels that, you know, that works kind of with paid. Um, I think my biggest, my number one advice for Black Friday, Cyber Monday is just keep it simple. I think people try to overcomplicate their sales. They try to overcomplicate their offer, their messaging, you know, that just creates iterations upon iterations of, of what you have to say and how often you have to say it and what you have to put out there. I think you should just keep your sale straightforward. Uh, you know, you can maybe have another sale or two, but like it, I should be able as a customer, I'm busy, treat me like a drunk toddler. And just like, I should be able to understand your offer. Like within the two seconds of reading your email, if it's longer than that, you've already lost me. Um, it, so just keep it simple. And if you do want to make improvements right now, you know, smaller would be better. Like people are already trained to use your website. So the people you're going to be retargeting are going to be familiar with how it looks now. So we won't launch a, a new site after October 31st. Like in that might be a little too down to the wire for, for some engagements, but uh, you don't want to launch a brand new website on, on, you know, cyber Monday, that could be a jarring experience for someone that's familiar with it. But also it really depends on the age of your audience. Like if they're, a bunch of young people, they'll figure it out. Uh, but if you know your audience is a bit older, you should probably think about uh, changing something that they know how it works. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point that you don't, if it isn't broke, don't fix it and don't introduce a bunch of changes at the most crucial time of the year. Uh, double down on, on, on getting traffic to your site rather than trying to yeah. change well, I think, things around. I think something that people overlook is like, nobody's perfect. And if you launch a new site, like, you know, on Christmas, not Christmas day on like Thanksgiving, uh, it's bound to have a bug or two in there that escaped QA just because like QA isn't real life. There's going to be something that comes up and that is like, you know, nobody wants to deal with that during the holidays. Like I, we're like, we always want to have everything done like before the week of Thanksgiving and everything's scheduled and good to go. And we're just there to like, you know, more for strategy and to like, you know, respond to questions about how everything, how everything works. Uh, that just puts you in such a better place than like scrambling at the 11th hour. Yeah. And you, you also bring up a good point there too, about the, the you, QA, if you have a QA team or if you automate some of that QA, you know, I guess if you automate it, you could have a thousand concurrent users on a site with a load test and doing things like that. But in real life, you might have four, 40,000 concurrent users on a site that are going to be able to, with their real users too, that are doing some automated procedure that are going to pick apart every single little piece. And they're going to find those corners that as a developer, you've clicked on the same pattern over and over again, and it's always worked great. And then as soon as you click on that one other pattern that breaks your complete, that your site, now, now you're down. So I think uh, that's great advice not to make it's great advice that you say not to make any changes. And, uh, you know, probably today is the last day that you should do a lot of these big changes. And uh, I would say maybe not make any big changes now for the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, the the holiday shopping season is more about marketing than it is about like launching a new feature during that time. You're not going to be able to like really 
get above the noise of sales, all the, all the constant sales that are happening, happening at the end of the year, it's like save any big features or, or cool things or rebranding until, you know, Q1. Um, so we have a, we have literally minutes left. What, what are you, what are you doing to kind of keep yourself up with what's happening in the market nowadays? Absolutely. I mean, I am a giant fan of podcasts. So I listen to quite a few, uh, you should check out Kurt Elster's unofficial Shopify partner. He's a, he's a great mentor of mine. Uh, he kind of pushed me to start our podcast. If you like, if you like podcasts, listen to ours, obviously honestycommerce.co. Um, so a lot of education there. Uh, I actually, you know what, I find myself learning a lot more about e-commerce, the more and more I'm talking to potential customers because they're asking me questions about things I've never heard of. And it's, it's really fun to kind of get out there and learn. Um, and then on the kind of CRO side of things, uh, conversion Excel has been a really fun resource that we've dove in real deep on lately. Uh, so that's, that's been a really fun thing to do. Great. Um, and as we close out here, I always give an opportunity to do a shameless plug about anything you want. What would you like to plug today? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're a brand on Shopify and, uh, you're looking for an agency partner that really knows what they're doing, uh, we're a really, really good fit for that. Uh, you know, if you got product market fit and you're looking to kind of turn the gas up and, and make it really work, maybe you should reach out. We can see if, if we're really good, but, uh, if you're on Magento, uh, I'm not going to tell you to switch to Shopify just because we do it. I'll, you know, it's got to make sense. <laughs> Great. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, Ch- Chase Claimer, Claimer, Claimer. <laughs> Electric Eye is your agency. Yes. We'll put this in the show notes. And I, I very much thank you for being on the podcast today. Oh, I had, I had a blast. This was a really, really fun conversation. Thank you. Thank you again for listening. My name is Brent Peterson, and it has been my pleasure to be your host today. Please rate and subscribe to Talk Commerce, new shows out every week.